grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lamb of God predicted it in Matthew chapter 17. Jesus said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. And in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said, the Son of Man will be turned over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. Now it is happening just as he had said. Jesus is standing in the courtroom. He's on trial. He is the one being accused, accused as a lawbreaker, as one who has sinned gravely, charging him of various crimes, that he's broken the law. They're making the claim that he is unpatriotic, which is you know, the one of the worst crimes that a person could commit. He turned, they claim that he turns loyal citizens against Caesar. They claim that he wasn't paying his taxes. And they are upset because he says he is a king. And so he is busy riling up the people. After hearing these crazy charges that are leveled against him, who should really here be on trial. Obviously, Jesus is not guilty of their slanderous charges, for he did indeed pay his taxes, as the Gospels report, and as he also commanded others to do when he said, render therefore under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Yet the people are making Jesus out to be the criminal of criminals, I think he's more horrible than that murderer Barabbas. So the governor, he knows, though, that Jesus is innocent of these charges. Therefore, Pilate repeatedly states our Lord's innocence. He says, see, I bring him out to you that you may know that I find him not guilty. But if Jesus is not guilty, as Pilate rightly says, who then is guilty? The answer is clear. All mankind is guilty, Jew and Gentile. Everyone is putting Jesus on trial because all are sinners. Since Pilate could not find guilt in Jesus, he decided to give the people a choice. Who should be released? Let's follow the custom but make a little change. I'll give you your choice between Jesus and, now this time, Barabbas, this hardened criminal. Because, of course, they would not want Barabbas loose on the streets, Pilate was thinking. They would want this man, who is truly innocent, to be back on the streets. But they instantly screamed, Away with Jesus! Release to us Barabbas! Pilate desires to release Jesus, so he asks them, well, what should I do with Jesus then? And the people replied words that become even more chilling. Away with him, crucify him, crucify him. And when Pilate tries to reason with the people saying, why, what wrong has Jesus done? The people cry out all the more, crucify him, crucify him. The words get even more chilling. His blood be on us and on our children. 
The soldiers mocked Jesus with that purple robe, that crown of thorns, and the staff. They look at him and say, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit in his face. They beat him. In the end, these scoffers are claiming to take full responsibility as those chilling words say, his blood be on us and on our children. Pilate, of course, still tries to claim innocence by washing his hands, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. But Pilate is not innocent. He may have claimed that he is innocent. He may have done a ritual to show that he is somehow innocent. But the creed is still right. Jesus is crucified under Pontius Pilate. Why? Because the people's decision is his decision. He went along with their demands. And therefore, Pilate is just as guilty as the crowd that was demanding our Lord's death. For Jesus was taken by lawless hands, was crucified and put to death, as Peter would later proclaim. Our Lord's trial is a trial of our guilt. As it is written, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like those who demanded our Lord's crucifixion, you too are sinners. You are also guilty of betrayal and denial, mockery, and sending Jesus to be crucified. Look at what Judas Iscariot did. Look at the actions of the high priest, the soldiers, Pilate, and even Peter. And just put yourself in their place. Put your name in their place, for you are also guilty. Peter said it well at Pentecost. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed. It's Peter's sermon on Pentecost. You crucified and killed. Yes, those Parthians and Medes and Elamites and people from Pontus and Asia and Pamphylia and all those locations they crucified him, whom the Father then raised. The mercy and the glory of God is seen on Good Friday. How can that be? Jesus is that lamb who goes uncomplaining forth in love. Your salvation depends on him serving as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Your salvation depends on him shedding his blood on your behalf. All your guilt was laid on him. He takes what is yours, and that is your sin. He drinks the cup of wrath, and he dies to set you free. For after all, it is written, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus received the wages when he became your sin. He becomes your sin, though, for a purpose so that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ. He takes on your sins so that you can be forgiven. He was declared guilty so that you can then be declared not guilty. He was damned so that you are saved. Because of our Lord's payment, your sins are not counted against you. Instead, you are covered with the very righteousness of Christ, as it is written in 2 Corinthians, for our sake he made him 
to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What this verse is teaching us is what Dr. Martin Luther, the blessed reformer, calls the blessed exchange. It's also been called a sweet swap. Jesus becomes your sin and you become his righteousness. He takes your sin from you, claims it as his own, suffers the blame for you and the penalty and the wrath of God. And then he takes what is his, that is his righteousness, and gives it to you for absolutely free. God even supplied us with an object lesson to show how this blessed exchange works. Look at the blessed exchange Barabbas got. He certainly would have been on death row, and now he is set free. You were on death row in your sin, and now you are set free. Barabbas was guilty of insurrection and murder, should have been put to death. He is free and, and is declared innocent. Jesus is the one sentenced to death there. And that's what happens to all Christians. You deserve the wages for your sin, which is eternal death. But Christ received your wages and was crucified on the cross. You receive the gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, eternal life. That is what you receive, a blessed exchange. All of this is certain because Jesus, he fulfilled God's will. He drank the cup of wrath. He shed his innocent blood in your place. He fulfilled all that was written of him by the prophets. He earned your salvation through the shedding of his blood. So on this Sunday, the Lord's Supper will again be offered. And go as quickly as you can to the altar to receive what he gives you as a gift to demonstrate this blessed exchange and to pour out for you that forgiveness of sins. For there Jesus gives you his body given into death for the forgiveness of your sins. And there he also gives you his blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. In this, you have every blessing. In this blessed exchange, you have every blessing. And we give God thanks